Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag with your hosts, Gooch. And then he puts his fingers in the opponent's bum. Now, that's what it said on the headline. That's the headline. And Willie Ramirez. He, he applied that maneuver to drop him, and then the whistle was blown. <laughs> So it looks like it's part of the norm in rugby to, as the headline reads, stick your fingers in opponent's ball. On ESPN Las Vegas. Rules are rules. Hello, it's Throw the Flag. I'm Gooch. To my left is Willie Ramirez. We're down here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook in the Treasure Island. Doing Throw the Flag, we do it every single Saturday, 9 to 11. And Willie's back-to-back. He does... He does Fridays with Steve Cofield. Not every Friday. Not every Friday. Yesterday was I, I couldn't. There was there was a little thing going on down the street. Raiders. They yeah. Were, they were they played a game. What'd you think about the Raiders? Yeah. Are we we're gonna, gonna get to it? Yeah, we're gonna talk. Because I was there at the game as as well. You weren't. Yes, I was. You were. You I were soaked you were, in all the action. Was was Gooch there or was B there? Like, was, <laughs> was, was there a fan there or was there? <laughs> no, it was me. And my favorite thing about Raiders preseason is how insane some of the fans are for preseason. Take it down a notch. The games don't count. This okay, is just to okay, see who's okay. going to make the team. All right, time out. Time out. I've been to Cleveland. Okay, I'm not saying. I've sat above the dog, dog pound. I've been to 6th Street. All right, let's not make it seem as if Cleveland Browns fans are not as rabid or as insane. Now, this year they may be a little more subdued. They got some things going on. Right. Let's... Raider, I will say this. I think pe- I think people are just excited for football. Yes, and there was a big event yesterday at, Ra- at the Raider facility. What What was that? The big event? Were you there? Were you? In well, I was there. Well, I was there. Well, I mean, there were over two hundred alumni. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, okay, so yes. I we're going to get into. We'll get to it we're in just a little bit. It. Now. <laughs> Willie works really hard on, on doing the outline of the show. And I got. I, I'm really. You know why I'm excited about today? I I underestimated the amount of sleep. I got 47 minutes of sleep, not 40, thinking. I, I, I thought that, but I ended up getting 47 minutes of sleep. Okay. From coming home from the game, filing for AP, doing some other work that I had to do, getting up early, finish, putting the finishing touches on this, doing some new sound. Uh, so I, I was excited. I got an extra seven minutes. Oh, I like yeah, that. Yeah, I, could yeah. see, I could see the pep in your step. That yeah. seven minutes is really adding a lot. Well, the pep is actually, it's either a combination of caffeine and Adderall or just a, a mix of just adrenaline off of the 47 minutes of sleep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> see, I would actually say, because I've been in that situation too, and it's crazy how you just kind of run off fumes, but mm. brilliance, Brilliance happens sometimes when you're right there on that edge. Right. So this is what I woke up to. Uh, I look at the uh, – because Willie and I, we share a Google Doc. And first thing right here, this is how we're going to start off the show. Apparently, we need to address Gooch's temper. You've been hanging with Adam Hill and Steve Cofield, haven't you? Yeah, look at you smiling. How did did you figure that one – now, I want to know how you just automatically knew that it was your boy – well, Adam, Adam Hill. Adam, number one, was around the dark years of Gooch. Yeah. So, and that was the early years, in my 20s. There was a lot of partying. There was a lot of overcorrecting the turn. And on top of that, if you've ever been around Adam Hill, he will push people to the brink of insanity because he doesn't know when to back off. No. He, will take the, he will take the argument to such absurd heights as 
he just has to have you walk away. So I'm not the type of guy to walk away. Adam, who was ranked number four in our high school, because him and I went to high school together, I barely graduated. Wait a minute, so, you went to Silverado? Yeah, 97. Him and I both graduated in 97. God, you guys are young. I know, man. I know. But Adam Hill, he just loves to get he, – he'll find a passionate person, and he will just needle that person until they lose their minds. Well, what I have come to um, – I, I, I've, I've learned is that – Apparently, apparently, you are a sore loser. At Madden? Well, the, I, I heard something about a remote being thrown. Yes. Something being thrown at a wall. Yes, it was. Something. I mean, all I know is that I was coming here with the anticipation of telling whoever the engineer was to keep the, the, the whatever this thing the is equipment. called. The brick away from Gooch. Because right. if something triggers this kid. Something's going flying. Keep the hot coffee. With the matter of fact, let me move this. Now, I've never thrown hot coffee, but I have banged on a table hard enough for the coffee to come off of the table and make a mess. Is that during a fantasy? That was during a Cleveland Browns versus the Bears football game where the Browns were up by two touchdowns with a minute and a half left, and they somehow lost the game. Being a Browns fan is one of those things. You're going to have anger. You're going to have self-loathing. There's a lot of therapy that goes into being a Browns fan. And... When I was getting mad about Madden, that was before I understood the two, the three four defense and the four three defense and zone defense and uh, cover twos and all that because Adam Hill was just crushing me because I didn't know how to play. So right when I figured out the defense, then I, then all of a sudden I started crushing him, and he didn't want to play anymore. So well, there's boom. one thing we can agree upon is that Adam Hill is a master at pushing buttons. Yes, until the nth degree. Yes. And it doesn't matter if it's personal. It doesn't matter if it'll – the only thing – well, actually, this is a guy who – there was a tragedy during the Little League World Series. Did you read about that? No, what happened? Young kid um, fell out of his bunk bed, and he fell awkwardly, and he was in a coma. I, and I, I, I think he's recovering at this point. He was healing. But at some point, Adam was like – the way that it happened, so you, you have to somewhat make a joke out of it. You got you got to find the humor in it, so you can, so you don't, so, you know, let it bottle up. Yeah, he There's was trying to find a way. Nothing of, funnier of than when a ten-year-old falls eight feet out of the air mm. onto their head. You know, I mean, that's Adam for you, though. Right. That's that's what I'm saying. So he he generally is looking for something. He's to, a catalyst. To, to poke at. Yeah, no, he's an antagonist. Yes, yes. yes yeah, he's, he is the Tabasco in an open wound on the tip of your finger. But that's what happens. See, and if you know it, Adam Hill, he is also one of the hardest workers that I've ever come across. This guy will put in the hours just like you do, Willie. He puts in no, crazy Hill, hours. Adam Hill's ridiculously uh, talented in terms of, like, if you, if you took in – not in terms of being a good person, but in terms no, of... No, no, he's not a good person. <laughs> but if you took an iota of his work ethic and put it in today's era, they wouldn't mind paying off their student debt. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. He will do that. But what ends up happening, though, if Adam's not working, he will find somebody like myself who will react, and, and that's what he gets joy out of. Now, I will say this. If there's one way to get to Adam... But you can't you can't control that. It's I've seen him lose it on press row, watching uh, either whether it has to do with a fantasy or a bet. Like I've seen him slam headphones and 
Yeah, he gets mad. Yeah, yeah. Well, and there's no, you know. Well, that's when there's things that are completely out of his control. Like when he places a bet, yes, I have seen him get mad before. Mm. I remember one time we were watching a, a game, and uh, the team, the, the team that I had money on, they caught a pick six and they ran it into the end zone, and that pushed the game over. And he was like super mad about it. And he got mad at me, and he was like, well, you only bet, like, five bucks. Dude, I had, like, $300 on it. Like, what? Like, like wait, so my bet doesn't mean anything now? Yeah, like, there's no relevancy to anything. It it's everything, everything surrounds Adam. You have to remember that. But... <laughs> But the fact is, you know, we've we've you've you've done as a as a true rock jock and comedian, you've done a splendid job of switching this opening segment from the focal point of your temper onto how bad of a person Adam is. Yes, but that's not the focus. The focus is on your temper, sir. Well, that, I've been to therapy. I've talked about the temper. Uh, well, I hope so because you're going to be a father soon. <laughs> I know. And the last thing we, we, that well, we that want was old it, gooch. Uh, that was old. Was there an tell. old Willie? Was there an old Willie before before your son came into the picture? Yeah, we, his name was Willie Will. Okay, but here's the difference between <laughs> you and I. Here's the difference. I recognize the fact that if I have, if there's ever, a t- like, if anything ever goes south in my life, like if everything just goes away and like whatever, I'm bringing him back. And at that point, I'm not sure what's going to take place. Either, you know, well, it's it's going to be it could be reckless. But the the '80s Willie is. Yeah, listen, He's you can Willie, take you, yeah. can, you can take him out of the hood. You can't take the hood out of him. Come on, bro. Yes. Yes. I knew it. I knew when this came up, Willie, because I'm going to tell you, there was something happened uh, during one of the shows, and you gave a look to a guy, and I'm like, oh, I know that darkness. It's there. It's there underneath. It's now, you didn't have one of your best friends come on, a, come on a radio show and out you, so we don't know about the history of Willie Will. You know what I'll do? Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of somebody that, like the first week we had Hunky Cooper on, and he kind of gave me praise going, all you've done for the community, blah, blah, blah. But, but I'm trying to think of someone that could come on and we could interview, and he'd be, he or she would be an interesting interview, but at the same time share some gory stuff. Oh, man. I don't know. Hey, look, has the statute of limitations worn off yet is what we got to find out. Now, I'll admit, yes, I I did have a temper. Video games got used to get me going. Adam <laughs> used to trounce me, but it used to hurt. But the thing is, though, is it made me better at Madden, and that made me better at living, Willie. Okay? Now I can look at myself in the mirror and know that I have my emotions under control as long as I'm not losing by two scores. Uh, we're going to be coming back here with Throw the Flag here in about a couple of minutes, yeah, right? Yeah. We're going to do my now, favorite segment. Yeah, you're, you're, you're going to get to Throw the Flag, but um, we have some great guests coming up. And we really do have some great sound and some cool topics today. First of all, um, last night was – we got – like this is a huge week in Las Vegas. I mean, we're talking Becky Hammond gets named WNBA Coach of the Year. The Raiders end their preseason, first time in franchise history, undefeated. Wow. UNLV football and they played four. Four. UNLV football kicks off today. The Aces open the semifinals in the 2020 WNBA Finals rematch from 20, uh, 20 I said that, uh, in the bubble against the Seattle Storm and Sue Bird. Like, here's the thing. I cover the Las Vegas Aces. I stay objective, but they're in, that's an organic. They came from San Antonio, but in a sense, an organic WNBA team here. Like outside of the du- journalism hat that I take off, I would be happy to see my hometown win that championship. But 
we're getting to see one of the legends, the all-time greats in possibly her final games. Sue, Sue Bird will be here tomorrow and Wednesday, game two. The games will be heard right here on ESPN. So, I mean, big weekend in sports, big week leading up to. Oh, the NFL. And last night they had the Killers as well. So, I mean, oh Vegas has been going insane this weekend. Oh, I love, love this to town. Love I to love this it. town. Well, we're going to go to break here in a little bit. We're going to come back with more Throw the Flag. The path of the righteous man is beset on all sides by the inequities of the selfish and the tyranny of evil men. Blessed is he who in the name of charity and goodwill shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness. For he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brother. And you will know my name is the Lord when I lay my vengeance upon thee. Fiction right there. Love it. That'll get you stormed up in the morning. I'm ready to go. Here we are back again. Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island. Throw the flag. Gooch, Willie Ramirez. And this is my favorite segment of the show because we get to pick the stories I wanted to talk about. And we get to use the intro music that I picked. That was Deftones, My Own Summer. And we're going to start things off with, and if you're going to throw the flag on anything, I just, you start with Dennis Rodman. (laughs) Has there, I love the worm in the 90s when when people were it was so funny when he was putting on wedding dresses and just trying to get all this attention and people were clamoring for it and i just loved watching dennis rodman pull the strings he knew exactly what he was doing we should not be even talking about dennis rodman in 2022 he there's no way he could even play in today's nba but we're still talking about dennis rodman because earlier in the week you know, and this has already been debunked, but he said he was going to go to Russia to seek the release of Brittany Griner. And that was later squashed by the U.S. government. But the thing is, is like he's done this. He's gone to countries that were not necessarily welcomed. And he's been in North Korea. Kim Jong-un is like his homie. That's his right. boy. Yeah. And it's like and then you so you could see him being friends with a mass murder and rubbing elbows with Putin. Like he's the type of guy that kind of you just he he. He wants to see – here's the thing. He's an Adam Hill is what he is. <laughs> no. Well, no, I wouldn't go that far. What, what I would say is this. He wants everyone to see the good in him and the way f- that he has to – so you have to be the person that shows the good in evil because he wants people to see the good in him because they view him as the evil. Right. Right? So if he views – himself or he perceive he thinks the perception of him is the equality of the north korea powers the russia powers whatever right he wants you to see the good in him so his way of doing that is saying well there's good in everybody so that's why i think that he he does things like this now granted if he could have pulled it off hey i'm all for it go get her Right. You know what I mean? I mean, because once the story came out about the 19-year-old white teenager who had like 17 grams of weed in 2019 and Russia released her after two weeks with no questions asked. Right. Then you got to release Brittany Griner. Right. The well, precedent's been set. Well, absolutely the precedent but, has been set. But uh, the f- it's, it's more so like, okay, Dennis, who do you think you are? That's what we're talking about. <laughs> It'd be one thing if it were Joe Dumars and he wanted to do it. I would understand that more. He would have more leverage than Dennis Rodman. But 
the fact that he even wants to go out there, the fact that he even wants to set foot in in Russia when we know Dennis Rodman's history of partying, I'm sure it wasn't just booze, you know. And, and so for him to even want to go out there, I mean, it does say something, but at the same time, we already know it's, it's, it's always him trying to reverse the narrative. And the one thing with Dennis Rodman is no one ever thought Dennis Rodman was evil. We just thought he was kind of a clown, kind of funny. That was it. But the one thing with Dennis Rodman and why he even had a job is when it was time to work, Dennis Rodman would work. There was a story about the, the Chicago Bulls when he stayed up all night partying and the game was Michael Jordan the, the plan was if Dennis, if Dennis Rodman falls behind as they're running laps around the gym, yeah. then he's got to run like two, two or three miles. Well, the start of the practice, Dennis Rodman is out front leading everyone, hungover, drunk, reeking of booze, because he had one of those mindsets where Was once it the he, trip where he came here and then went to – you know Yes, it was, yeah. yes, because this came up during the Michael Jordan uh, documentary. Yeah. And the fact that – Great documentary. Last but, Dance. But that just screams so much about what Dennis Rodman can do. He can, he can compartmentalize his whole entire life. Once he's got a goal, he can do it. But if he's not doing something active, it just doesn't seem like he's got that ability to keep it going. You know, like when you're doing, th- when you're doing things like this and, inter- and inserting yourself in international incidents, it's like, Dennis, you're, we're just laughing more at you. Now, now it's almost sad. It's not what it used to be. It's not as fun. It's like, where's the, the Dennis Rama that used to put on wedding dresses? I like that guy. He was fun. This guy, it's like you're just doing it for attention, and it's sad. Let's throw the flag. Let's throw the flag. Terrell Owens back in the news. 48 years old. There's a video of him running a 40-yard dash in 4.4 seconds. Do you believe Terrell Owens, do you think, believe that he would still be playing if he were a model teammate? Um, I don't believe that he would be now at 48, but I do believe that his his career would have been extended where it halted. Yeah, if he was a model teammate, if you know, I mean, if he wasn't Antonio Brown before Antonio Brown was Antonio Brown. Right. Um, I think that Terrell, Terrell Owens definitely would have could have had a longer career. Now at 48, no, um, not because he can't go get the ball, and not because of his speed, but. The body wears down, and it's the recovery. Like, he could go into a game and do what he – I think Ter- Terrell Owens could go into a game and do what he did before. It's the recovery. Yeah. Like, these it's younger guys – Yeah, these younger guys, you know, you're going into uh, treatment. Um, you know, you're getting – whatever. You're getting stim. You're getting stretched. You're getting this. You're getting that. He's going to need, like, two, three days of that. And it's not – and this is a guy who's, whose body at the time that he was – he was probably the best sculpted athlete maybe in all of sports at the peak of his career, right? As far as the, the what he, outside of like bodybuilding or natural bodybuilding, I should say, um, like his body was phenomenal. He took care of it, the, what he put in his body. But it doesn't mean that at 48, it's like that. The joints, everything's different. The muscle tissue, you know, your cartilage, your meniscus, your everything is different. So the treatment that he would have to go through, the recovery process, um, it's impressive as far as his 40-yard dash is concerned. But that doesn't mean that he can go out and take a beating and get smacked by a 23-year-old safety that's just going you know, to come in, you know, crunching. See, I'm glad you're here because you actually, you know, you do a lot. You've done bodybuilding. Your son does bodybuilding. So you know about this stuff. Right. And it is funny when you see – 
you know, the four, I kind of jumped on that. I'm like, 40-yard dash, he could still do it. He's still faster than some of the wide receivers in the NFL. Well, that's just one aspect of the NFL. It is because the, because the, the biggest aspect of pro athletes is not the two hours you put on a basketball court, the three hours you put in a football game, or the two-hour, 45-minute you put in a baseball game, or the two-and-a-half hours on a hockey uh, sheet of ice. It's what you do. It's, it's how you can come back afterwards. It's availability. Look at Robin Leonard, right, the goaltender for the Golden Knights. The guy came in and gave his best shot yet last year, but it, the body breaks down differently as you age, and the recovery process is different. Mm-hmm. So this would be a guy like, like Ter- Terrell Owens, like at 48, let's just say that he came out past all the physicals, could take a little bit of a beating. You bring him in at the end of the season to make – and he, he comes in like – you know, for the big play or something, or a decoy, and he, and he could take one or two shots. But to be what he was back then, no shot. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to say that he was going to be what he was back then, but it is crazy to see, just like you said, a sculpted athlete like that at 48 years old, and he can at least do things athletically that that NFL players that are also at that same position can't do. There are still NFL wide receivers out there that cannot run at 4440, and him doing it at 48 years old and at that size. That was the thing with Terrell Owens, the fact that he was so huge, so athletic, and just so fast. That was what made him such a dominant wide receiver. So I'm going to throw the flag on him playing. Actually, I was not going to throw the flag, but then you just talked me into throwing the flag. <laughs> with your I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm going. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to throw the flag. Okay. Um, because the, the tweet – was here? I, I got one for you, but a twist. I'm going to throw the flag, because but the tweet was on the 40 yard dash. You posed the question if he could play. So the flag is on you. Okay, <laughs> you're throwing the flag on me. All right, done. I'll take the 15 yard penalty. All right. Now we're going to move on to Aaron Donald. Look, the most dominant defensive player. I think I've. I'm not going to say ever because Lawrence Taylor back in his day was just unstoppable. But, yeah. but Aaron Donald is. To even put him in that category or to even say that he might be as good or better is saying something about how dominant of a player he's been throughout his NFL career. But when you have a player of his echelon doing stuff like this, it just makes you scratch your head. During a joint practice with the Bengals, he took took a player's helmet off and swung it at their head, much like the Miles Garrett situation when – few years back when it happened with during a game on a Sunday night football game when it was the Browns versus the Steelers granted this didn't get the attention that got but you know it's crazy because he took a helmet off swung it at a guy's head and people were just like ah that's just some of the things that happen in practice but meanwhile when it happened during a game they were making it out like Miles Garrett had bodies stuffed in his crawl space it's like at what point do we understand that yeah he needs to be reprimanded for swinging a helmet, and at some point, do you just kind of do you just overlook it? I found it comical, and I understand the rules and regulations and whatnot that the NFL said we don't police training camp joint practices. It's not our area. I really hate to compare this, and I really don't want to downplay. This tragic situation. So I don't want the listeners to misconstrue what I'm about to say in any way, shape, or form. And I would never, ever, ever um, mock or – but the allegations that are out there about the Buffalo Bills punter. Now, that took place supposedly on the campus of San Diego State. Well, the NFL does not – they don't 
they don't oversee that, right? They don't regulate campus parties at San Diego State. If they step in and punish, you see what I mean? Yeah. Now, um, now I get it. I'm not saying now the NFL can't do that to Ariza. What I'm saying is don't come up with a lame excuse why you cannot p- penalize Aaron Donald for what could have been a skull-crushing incident if, God forbid, it would have hit somebody's in the head. You cannot pick and choose where you – that's a serious – because in reality, okay, the NFL is not going to punish and someone else – so so in reality, if he's brandishing a gun, well, no, 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 NFL, that's not – that's a joint practice. Yeah, exactly. So it's up to the team to discipline <laughs> BS. That's a criminal activity because it's a weapon. It could have it could have killed somebody. I don't want to hear that. I'm throwing the flag on the NFL. Yeah. And you're right, and you're totally right about that, though, because you do not want the NFL to come in and start policing practices because now all of a sudden there's going to be too many rules, and we've already seen things like that. Uh, for, like, what happens at the airport and what's going on in schools, it's like there's, there's all these, these new rules that are delaying people from getting to their flights. And, uh, like, I, uh, my girlfriend and I, we have a, a 13-year-old, and – middle school right now and he can't even carry his backpack to class because they're afraid of these kids brandishing weapons and it's like they're so i understand what they're doing but at the same time you're making it hard for these kids to carry around their assignments and it's just one more one more pitfall that you have to try and overcome and i don't know what the right answer is so i agree with what you're saying because i do believe the nfl should penalize aaron donald but at the same time you do not want the NFL overseeing the practices because now now what? Well, I, here's the thing. No, I do think they should. I do think the I, – I agree with their policy that, hey, stuff that's not – if something happens at a nightclub or something happens out in public, whatever, that's on you. Now, if it's a criminal activity, then the, then the law has to step in, so on and so forth. What I'm saying is – how can you say it's not an NFL-sanctioned practice because it was a joint practice? You did it, you, 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 two, the two organizations. It doesn't. It's 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 on an NFL facility. They have to be. They have to. Oh, once training camp starts, everything is in. I mean, when we go there, right? We were given a list of rules this week with the Patriots in town uh, by the Patriots media. Detailed how many collective seconds you can you can. Um, you can, fight, you can put video or content, whatever. It's like 90 seconds, 180 seconds. The NFL's regular. There's a joint practice that they're overseeing what you can and can't do, the media. So you can regulate us, but you can't regulate Aaron Donald swinging helmets. Make up your mind. Okay. I'm going to tell you who's got to make up his mind today. Please. Marcus Arroyo, UNLV football coach, is going to be making up his mind with a quarterback starter. They host Idaho State. Kickoff is around three hours from now, and our own Cofield and Company, Steve Cofield, sideline reporter for UNLV football, he's already at Allegiant. He's going to be breaking down some topics. He's going to join Gooch and Willie on Throw the Flag at TI Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I thought all along, I thought Friel started as the one at the beginning of camp. Brumfield was two. Bailey was three. Now it's a Brumfield or Harrison Bailey situation at the top, and Friel is now number three. I still believe Brumfield's going to start on Saturday, but Bailey's closer to him than Friel is. Rebels. Mm. You feel it, right? I'm feeling it. You I feeling love it? it. I love how it's back. 
They had two game, two victories last year. I'm feeling good. I will admit that even though they're over at Allegiant, if we refer to the old stadium, I still say Silver Bowl because I remember playing on the side of the hill. We played football at halftime. They threw these little white hard footballs with red stripes on it and had the old Rebel with the, with the, the, the gun on it, and we used to play at halftime. And then we'd go up at the bleachers for the second half and play truth or dare with the, with the girls. Ah. Yeah, and if you wore your Pop Warner jersey, you got in free. But those were the days. Was that we, the Willie Will days? No, that was before Willie Will. That was before, <laughs> you know, if Willie Will would have known what to, or if, if young William would have known what to do like Willie Will did, things might have been different in those bleachers. But, eh, what are you going to do? So we, we had young William, we have Willie Will. Now, what is today's Willie called? Willie G. Okay, Willie G. <laughs> But here to break it down with us is our own ESPN, Steve Cofield from Cofield & Company, sideline reporter of UNLV football. I believe he's already out there at Legion. He was out there early. He texted me, said, hey, I'm on the road. Steve, how are you? Stevie C. What's up, guys? How's, there, how's things going? How's, I, first thing, before we get into this, how does the field look? Because uh, I was filing my second story, and they were out there with the spray paint painting UNLV over the Raiders logo. No disguising it, just trying to get the field decorated. I don't know because I'm not inside yet. They're not. They're not allowing media in. They're running a little late, so we're standing outside the gates. But uh, yeah, I, I knew that they were going to put some UNLV logoing on the field, and that they wouldn't be able to clean up the Raiders yeah. uh, logo in the end zone. So they kept the Raiders logo out there. And people I talked to at UNLV were like, "It's fine." A lot of people don't know that UNLV plays in the Raider Stadium, so it's good branding at least for a game. Yeah. For UNLV, so no big deal. There's a story behind that you and I will share. Maybe we'll bring it up next week on, on, on Cofield and Company behind, because I heard that there's there's more to a lot of the conversation that took place leading up to the painting of UNLV over the Raider logo, the M, the Mountain West logo. So, anyway, let's get into this because that was you at the top of, 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 of the rejoin, talking about the quarterbacks, your belief. Um, you've been out there at practice throughout training camp. You're watching this breakdown. You're studying. You talk to Arroyo. The quarterback picture going into this game against Idaho State. So we're going to find out, I'm sure, probably hmm, around 11-15, uh, who the starter will be. That's my guess. Uh, I know Marcus Arroyo has been holding out uh, you know, before the game, like right before the game it will be announced. But we'll see in warm-ups. But generally, uh, between you guys and me, it's usually leaked from a mole in the program to Joe Arrigo or Ed Graney, who then feeds it to uh, Sam Gordon. So we'll probably find out around 11-15. I think it's Doug Brumfield being out at practice as much as I was, uh, watching drills, watching a little bit of the offense running practice. Brumfield ran with the ones the most, right. and I think Arroyo likes the versatility of uh, Brumfield and the fact that as a threat, you know, the defense has to worry about the run, has to worry about the edge. So I think he's going to get the start, but you know, we said a million times last year, I saw Doug Brumfield probably 80% of the time Felt like he was the number one in the preseason. Then we came out, and an hour before the game, Justin Rogers got the starting nod. So you never know. I mean, uh, in that rejoin, I said it, Harrison Bailey closed the gap on Brumfield and moved past Cam Friel. Friel's a little dinged up. He's been nursing uh, something. Uh, so he fell a little bit behind. But uh, I think it'll be Brumfield, but I wouldn't be surprised if he shocked all of us. I guess I surprised Chuck. Um, that uh, Bailey starts. Uh, he's close to him, but... Uh, I like Brumfield to start just because of the versatility. And, and you know what? The other thing is he's been around Arroyo for three seasons now, uh, or at least two two seasons and the preseason. So he knows the offense a little bit better. And that is a big deal with quarterbacks, especially quarterbacks who are new to the program. Is there a possibility that we could see both quarterbacks? Today? Yes. 
yes, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, well, especially since I don't know. You know, winning games last year was not easy for UNLV. They only won two, and they had you know uh, six other games they lost inside of eight points. Especially because this game. I mean, right now I haven't seen the latest number this morning. Checking, it was down to twenty-two and a half. I mean, they're three touchdown favorites. Uh, if they do what they're supposed to do, then they should be in pretty decent shape going into the fourth quarter. And if Brumfield plays the first three and they're up three or four touchdowns, it wouldn't be the worst thing to get Bailey some experience. Um, and, you know, and he, hasn't, he hasn't really been in any game action. Well, we know he hasn't been in game action for the Rebels, so to get him a chance to work with Arroyo, work with the OC, work with the offense, work with his supporting cast would be a good thing. All right, so the next question is, with this offense, who's going to be the next Chuck Wagon, Charles Williams, because they lose a big piece to that uh, running back room. Will there be balance to this offense? I think there potentially is going to be balance, uh, but I don't think there's going to be another Chuck Wagon. Uh, who, who knows? Maybe Aiden Robbins will shock us, or Courtney Reese will be the breakout guy. Robbins is the big back at 6'3 and 230. He's from Louisville. Reese has been with the program multiple years now, and he's more of the Lexington Thomas guy, you know, at 5'8 yeah. and uh, 165 pounds. And he's explosive. He just hasn't had a chance. Um, I, listen, Charles Williams last year, and really over the course of his career, is the all-time leading rusher in the history of the program. Last year he had over 1,400 yards receiving and rushing, and, and he made a lot of plays behind an offensive line that maybe didn't block as well as it needed to for him. So I think they'd be really happy if they got anywhere near the production of Chuck, but from three or four backs, you know, they've got other interesting guys. Chad Magyar is back, I think, for a fourth year now. He's also a big back at about 6'2 and 220, more of a pass-catching back uh, and a dive guy You know when he's running the ball. Um, listen, Javon Wilson is the fourth or fifth running back, and he's an Oregon transfer. So he had a rough year last year with injuries, and then uh, basically a Reese clone in Sammy Green, who's a young dude at you know, 5'9 and, and 175. Uh, you know, if they need him at some point in the season, I think he's going to be part of the mix. So they go five deep. And my guess is that their leading rusher will probably be around, say, 600 yards, but then have another guy at 500. So if they can get close to the production of Chuck, that would be awesome. All right, so you brought up an Oregon transfer, and I want to bring up Oregon real quick here um, before we talk about the defense. We all know Marcus Arroyo came from Oregon, and I don't think that it's going to be any time in the immediate future but down the road in terms of, UNLV offense looking like Oregon, but the fluidity and what Marcus Arroyo has been trying to do and transforming this into being his squad. Are we starting to see fluidity amongst the entire offense from what you've seen, quarterback to receiver, running back room, the offensive flow? I mean, it's hard to say. You know, we, we saw some flow when they had, you know, a healthy quarterback last year, but even that was, you know, kind of dicey. Uh, no one could finish a game. And I, I, I don't think they got the balance they wanted last year because they had to lean on Chuck so much. Um, and keep in mind, the receivers got beat up last year. Really, that's the story. To me, that's the story of this team is that they have to overcome what's happened the first two years, and that is the fact that they didn't have enough depth. And once ones got hurt, then all of a sudden you had either older guys who just were not you know, super accomplished players or super young guys who had to go in there, and that's where the drop-off was. I think they built the team. To be balanced, I mean, they have you know three quarterbacks now who can all throw the ball. They have a much different wide receiver room where, you know, you're you're talking pretty talented guys, you know, sitting down at like seven, eight, and nine uh, in the depth chart. But they added a receiver, Ricky White from Michigan State. They've got a, a sleeper in Seneca McKee from Erskine College, who apparently is one of the guys who's taken over the receiver room. Jeff Weimer is a slot guy, but he's a big slot guy at you know six. 
two and two hundred pounds. Uh, you know, throwing Kyle Williams, who again, uh, Mountain West Conference Offensive Freshman of the Year two years ago, could not stay healthy last year. He had a hamstring that popped or whatever, restrained it in the Fresno game early. So this will be. I think this is going to be the first year where if they can stay healthy, they can run an offense that Arroyo wants to run. And my guess is that the run game may not work great. Early on, they're going to lean a lot on the pass, but they're, they're prepped to do it. They've got some pretty decent tight ends, and they've got a really good wide receiver room, um, a room that gets along well, and they've built some chemistry. So they have a chance this year to be more of a passing team uh, than they ever were last year. On to the defense. This year, UNLV added some beef up to the defensive front. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's, it's much better than it was a year ago. Again, because of injury issues and the lack of depth, uh, latter third of the season, you had a couple of defensive tackles who were rotating in there at 240, 250. And that, you know, and if they're twitch guys, that's fine, but that's too small. And what they did was they put some weight on the guys they have. Uh, you know, so Tavis Malakias and Eliel Ahimere has a chance to be an all conference player. You know, those guys are pushing 280, 290. Uh, they have a couple of, you know, twitch guys and Naki Fahina and also uh, Jalen Dixon. But then what they brought behind him is the big thing. When they can rotate, you got to rotate defensive linemen. What they've got behind him are much bigger dudes, you know, guys who can play in the Mountain West Conference. So they got Ben Key from Missouri, who's 6'3 and 315. They've got a Juco uh, in Darius Johnson, who's around 300 pounds. Their best recruit from a rating standpoint from a couple of years ago is Nick Demetrius. You know, he's one of these giant guys that you want on the defensive line, 6'4 and, like, 285. So it, it's the layers that – could make this defense so much better because if someone does go down in the middle of a game, and that happened a lot last year, you're not bringing someone out there who, you know, is a high school-sized defensive tackle, defensive lineman. Now these guys are comparable to other schools around college football. Speaking to Steve Cofield from Cofield and Company, of course, here on ESPN, and he will be on today's broadcast, ESPN 1100 and 100.9 FM, Russ Langer, Caleb Herring, and Steve Cofield. Steve, let's talk about the defensive backs, the secondary. Now, I know Idaho State is rebuilding. It's a young team. I, I think they may have had like three or four starters back, but um, even still, um, the secondary. A little bit of issues there with some injuries. Yeah, just, you know, Idaho State with a new coach off a one-win season has 51 new players. So the challenge for the Rebels trying to blend in 30 players isn't even close to what Idaho State's going through. But uh, the only significant injuries, uh, and this is not to downplay some of the guys who are hurt on the offensive line or at tight end, the most significant injuries, uh, one is Ricky Johnson. He's in the rotation of six cornerbacks. So he went down literally on the second day. I'm sorry, sorry, the second play of practice when they opened up training camp. He's got a left arm injury, so he's going to be out a little while longer. And then I don't know the status. All I've been told is undisclosed and dealing with some personal stuff. Tyson Player was going to be one of the starting safeties with Jonathan Baldwin. So Player's been away from practice for probably 10 or 12 days now, so they've had some time. Um, but now what that means is you've got a whole new group of safeties, and it's, it's a couple of JUCOs. It's a transfer from Iowa State and Jordan Morgan. The other guys I mentioned are Trent Holloway and, and Donnie Dixon. They've got another safety in the mix. So those guys are all going to have to step up. They were not expected to start. So you can see right now they have pretty good depth. But then if one of those guys gets knocked off, then all of a sudden your second safety position is a little weaker. And the, uh, the loss of Ricky Johnson is a big one because he's a, a versatile guy. Um, and, again, new players are going to have to step in. Now they've got some talented guys, rangy guys, taller guys. The defensive backfield looks totally different than it did 
say, the beginning of the Arroyo era, the end of the Sanchez era. There are no more 5'8", 5'9", dudes out there. Dre Williams is a really good player. He's 5'10". He's one of the smallest guys who's going to play. Everyone else is 6'2". So that's the, that, that's, that other safety position is the one thing to watch and how Morgan and Holloway adjust because Tyson Player was expected to be one of the leaders of the defense, and for now he's unavailable. All right, Steve, we're up against the wall, but we're just going to look for a quick season prediction from Steve Cofield. Go. Uh, I'm going to fire on uh, 33-13 is what I think I gave during the week. So I think Daniel Gutierrez has a big day with four field goals. And they win, but I don't know if they cover. Okay, that's, that's the game prediction. Wins, and is it a bowl season for Marcus Arroyo? Hmm, that's an interesting one. My season <laughs> prediction on wins is five. I think okay. they can turn a lot of those uh, games that they lost inside of eight points to wins. Now they have to win this game. Can't, can't screw this one up. And I think they have to win in three weeks against North Texas. So if they come out of the gates at uh, 3-0 and or 2-1, and Cal's going to be really hard on the road. But if they come out of the gates decently, then I think they can win at least three more games from there going down the stretch. So I think they have a chance. But if you don't get it done two out of the first three, then getting to six wins and being ball eligible gets really hard. Steve, as you would say or you have taught me, Great spot. Appreciate you joining <laughs> us. And I will be out there in a couple of hours, so thanks for coming on and shedding some light. And, of course, you'll be on throughout the season to talk about the Rebels. I appreciate the invite. Thanks, Coach. Uh-huh. All right, guys. Take care. That's Steve Cofield once again. And the game can be heard right here on ESPN 1100 AM 100.9 FM. Russ Langer, Caleb Herring, Steve Cofield, UNLV football. It's the third season for Marcus Arroyo, right? I personally have them at the potential of seven wins and that they can go to a bowl game. I'm optimistic. I feel confident because I think that he's finally got his sort of his his hands around the throat of this. Well, I think when you beef up the defensive line, which is a huge problem last year, I see some of the deficiencies that were taking place last year getting fixed this year. I see a bowl game. Yeah. I see a bowl game. I I want to say I want to say seven wins. I'm going to say seven wins. Bowl game is happening. Oh my goodness! All right, I so we, it. so so two seven wins. Look at in our in our in our special guest board op, Doug. He he just stood up in in my view, and he's wearing a UNLV sweatshirt today. Okay, so you know we may have to get Mateo to weigh in. We'll get his intern to weigh in. Everybody's weighing in on the UNLV Rebels. But next up, we are weighing in with the hot topic, the picks of the week, Gooch's lock of the week. You can bet your children's unborn children on these games. (laughs) We're back at Treasure Island after this. Before I ever ran a casino or got myself blown up, Ace Rothstein was a hell of a handicapper. I can tell you that. I was so good that whenever I bet, I could change the odds for every bookmaker in the country. I'm serious. I had it down so cold. Who doesn't love money? OJ's bringing us back for the love of money, and, of course, that epic scene, the start of the movie Casino right here in Las Vegas. Ace Rothstein, Frank Rosenthal. That could only mean one thing from Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook, and Bar. Gooch and Willie were back with Throw the Flag, and it is that segment where you get the picks of the week, where you get your phones out, you got your apps up, or you are racing down to Treasure Island because it's week zero. There's college football, preseason football. There is WNBA playoffs, there's baseball, and there's lines, and there's kiosks, and there's a bar, and there's a kitchen with incredible food. Why are you not here? I don't understand it. It's a quandary, and I don't understand why these people just don't want to enjoy fun. And Mateo has giveaways. And by the way, earlier I said The Intern. You know, I love that movie with De Niro. By the way, we spoke about De Niro and Anne Hathaway. Fantastic movie. But Stacy, my apologies. I should have called her by her name. Um, 
All right, Gooch, you're up first. All right. What do we got? I'm going to go with just some preseason. I'm going to go with the Vikings and the Broncos. Uh, it's set at 35 and a half. I'm going to take the over on that. Oh, my goodness. I just don't see both teams stalling that badly on offense. But, again, this is preseason. You're going to see the third stringers, even get fourth stringers even, if you want to call them that. Uh, and, plus, both games don't look like they're going to be starting anybody. But I just see 35 and a half. That's such a low number. I think they could beat that. Well, and the trend has been going upward with these preseason games this year, right? The, the, generally, we saw the trend go down in the last, I don't know, five, six, seven, eight years where the numbers are 33, 32, 34, 34 and a half was a high number. Yeah. Well, after week one of the preseason, the books were jacking the numbers up. There's 40s out there. So the, the trend is up with these, and I'm wondering if it's because the preseason is shortened from four games to three games. Um, they're trying to see a lot more. The competition is steady, right? So it used to be that first week where you're getting through the scrubs who are going to basically get cut that first Tuesday when you go from in the 90s down to 87, and then all of a sudden then you keep going down to where now we're up against it with 53, right, to the 53-man roster. But they're in crunch time where week two is now the second to the last week, and then all of a sudden it's week three and it's the last week. So they're really forcing the issue. Problem is, we're seeing some injuries. Sam Darnold went down last night with a twisted ankle, or a high ankle sprain. They're saying, "Man, the Jet or, or the Panthers just—I mean, it's uh, now Baker Mayfield's up against it." And I really thought Matt Rule was going to come in and turn that team around, much like he did with the teams that he was a part of before he even came to the NFL. I mean, he yeah. turned Baylor around 100. percent That was a, that was impressive to do that and they were competing with good teams it's not like there was like the big 12 or Baylor's coming out there putting 56 on some dumpy team that nobody cares about I mean they were going head-to-head with some uh, with some solid competition there so I thought he was going to bring that here but again it's the same situation that a lot of first-time head coaches in the NFL come into if you don't have your quarterback in play you're going to suffer you're going to suffer so I actually think them getting Baker and just having that whole the world's against me attitude. I think that does help a it's team gonna, out like yeah, the Panthers. I think to. it does. It's just what you don't want is because of Baker's style of play, he goes down. Now you got to wonder how long Darnold's going to be out and what they have in the backup. So, all right, so Gooch's play of the week is Denver and Minnesota over the total. I'm going to go into week zero and play college football. Now, I saw this number at one and a half. I believe the number might be down to pick. This number has been dropping. Started at four, North Texas minus four at UTEP, dipped to one and a half. Might be a pick now at Treasure Island since we've been on the show. I haven't been over to the window to check it out. But I like the UTEP miners in this one. Um, They returned 15 starters, including eight on defense. That includes Gavin Hardison. Now, this dude is a big frame, prototypical quarterback, pushing 6'4". He's a little under at 6'3", 250, like 210, 215, strong, strong arm, threw for more than 3,200 yards last season. He lost his top two targets, but this is a team that has a nice complement at running back. They bring back balance. And he's the type of guy that young receivers that were in the way, in the wings waiting behind the top targets were sort of learning and seeing the chemistry and how hard it's plays. He's the type of guy that's going to bring the best out of his receivers. I don't know. You know, and I, I'm, I'm a believer in Dana Dimmel because what he's done with this program in four years, he somewhat turned it around what a lot of people in Las Vegas are hoping Marcus Arroyo will do with the UNLV Rebels. So I'm a big believer in what UTEP in their improvement. Both teams went to a bowl game. North Texas finished 500. They haven't finished over 500 in quite some time. Um, so, and, and I don't know. I'm not 
sold on North Texas's quarterback, Austin on. He's going to get the nod. The running back room, they lost a huge runner in DeAndre Torrey. He was their number one choice last season. Now it's sort of a running back by committee. That's the strength of the offense, and it's still a weak component because there's no proven key player in that with that team. They start off with the conference game. They got to go on the road at UTEP. And when you say on the road, right, North Texas, Denton, uh, UTEP in um, – where's UTEP? Uh, El Paso. Yeah. So the, the fact of the matter is it's an – interstate somewhat rivalry right in a small conference where they're really going to take pride in that and you're not supposed to talk gambling on 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 campuses but let's not let's not kid ourselves for a minute that that they don't know that they were an underdog so gooch's play vikings broncos over my play utep plus one and a half down to a pick against north texas we got to cut away from throw the flag, but when we come back, we're going to talk about the silver and black Doritos. It's throw the flag with your hosts, Gooch and Willie Ramirez. Yes. From the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino. Las Vegas Raiders 4-0 in the preseason. I like the sound of that. Once again, it's throw the flag right here at the Golden Circle Sportsbook at the Treasure Island. Uh, we're here with your buddy Gooch and, of course, Willie Ramirez. Willie, every single week we're here, you always have some new accessory hanging from your neck. What's going on? Like, it's something. What's I do. On? I do. It's, I've been upgrading the past couple of weeks. Um, so I, I got the new white gold chain and then i had the the cross up this is this was handmade years ago so now i have sterling silver nice shiny sterling with the big homemade cross and the matching bracelet i've got the yellow gold with the new uh initial plate and now i've got the white gold and today right when i leave here before i go to the unlv i get to go see my girl brie at the jewelers she's got it waiting the brand new white gold bracelet okay so you have to match all around if you're not then you know it's kind of like wearing nike and adidas in the same day you don't do it you know so you got to match now i'm wearing adidas shoes but i have a brown shirt that has a nike symbol on it does that clash roll the flag (laughs) (laughs) now are you going to wear the new bracelet in two weeks when the raiders kick off the the regular season i now we got to keep this up it's funny because yesterday Yesterday, I had an outfit picked out, and then I looked at it, and I was like, wow, those are all Raider colors, and I switched it up. So I had these bright blue royal – I have a bright blue royal blue, like, that match my eyes type suit, but I didn't do the jacket. I went casual like I am today with the slacks, with some some sort of patent leather loafers with a black shirt, and I wore the yellow gold with the yellow uh, gold uh, bracelet and the nugget ring. So today – because you you can't show up – wearing the colors of the team you're covering. You've got to be objective. It's almost like when you wear a band T-shirt to the band you're going to see. It's like you, there's a yeah, rule Yeah, you can't there. wear a Kiss there's shirt a rule to there. an ACDC concert. No, no, no. They're saying you don't wear a Kiss shirt to the Kiss show. That's, oh, like, that's, oh, like something, that's something to do with, like, rock and metal, guys. Oh, for wow. some reason, okay. if you wear the band – you know what I'm talking about, Mateo? Like, for some reason, if you wear the band <laughs> – the shirt of the band that you're paying to see, now, what if you you're buy, considered what a poser. If you, what if you the buy it thing. there? If you buy it there, I mean, you're going to be wearing an itchy new shirt that hasn't been washed. That's true. So you got to pay the price. Now, I just hope that you keep this new accessory thing going because the Raiders are 4-0. I think think that's you putting positivity out of the ether. Number one, don't put my bankroll on blast like that. (laughs) Number two, Doug doesn't pay me enough to have new jewelry 
And I, it's not jewelry. It's jewelry. Okay. Jury. Okay. Jury. Jury. Okay. I, I tell my girl Bree at the jewelry store, it's jury. Jury. I, I can't afford new jury every single week. So, all right, here we go. Let's go. Raiders can afford. You know who's got some bling? I'm going to tell you who's got some bling. And I, I'm, I'm going to be real honest with you here. When I, uh, when I grow up, when I grow up and become big. One day. One day. I want bling. I, like, there's some, there is some badass jewelry in the Raiders locker room. But my favorite necklace is Max Crosby's. What's it say? It's, it doesn't say anything. It's just this clean link. It's iced out, but it's, like, it's, it's big. So some would look at it and go big and gaudy, but, like, to me, it's big and classy. It's fresh. I like 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 Nate Hobbs has a big NH with a two, Roman numeral two because it's Nate Hobbs' second, you know, junior. Uh, but Max Crosby's piece is my favorite one. I saw a rookie, and I I wish I knew the name of the kid, but this is this year's rookie. He had a fighter jet yeah. in gold and diamonds, like Top Gun, completely blinged out. And I'm like, that's a little much, just a little much. All right, we've gone into this way too yeah, much. Right. We turned this into a jury segment. we got to talk Raiders because they capped the perfect preseason, 23-6 win over the Patriots. And here's the thing. First time in franchise history they've ever gone undefeated. And let me tell you something. Here's why last night's game was impressive. You tell people, oh, it was just a preseason. Yeah, well, they did it with their second-string guys against New England's first-string offense. That defense shut that first-string offense down in their first uh, four possessions. And the offense moved the ball against first-string defense. Threw an interception, too. Yes, he did. You know, and I'm telling you, the Patriots, it wasn't so much of how good the Raiders looked on that side of the ball. It was more... The offense, the the New England offense was just eye-poppingly eye bad. They just did not look like they had any kind of fluidity. They didn't. They looked like they had no clue what was going on. Matt Jones did not look like the confident rookie that we saw last year. I don't know. They're in trouble. They well, are in trouble. And there was, you know what? They had the mindset. This was the mindset going in, apparently, at the start of preseason. No way. Wow. Well, uh, first time for everything, I guess. Um, it was good. Obviously, that was the goal coming into preseason was to, to win every game. And, um, you know, just trying to trying to form a habit of winning, obviously. But I uh, thought we did, you know, a great job tonight. Guys played really hard. And, um, you know, just good to get a fourth win for sure. That was Jarrett Stidham, who's going to be the backup to Derek Carr. When I told him, did you know this was the first time in franchise? He said, no way. So, yeah, I mean, that's the mindset because why I think they knew going in, Josh McDaniels wouldn't tell us but told them, hey, you guys are running the ship. You're driving the vehicle in through the preseason because Derek's not playing, Devontae's not playing. You know, Jacobs played that first game when everybody made the big deal that he was going to be on the trading block because he played in the Hall of Fame game. As it is, they released Kenyon Drake, who I had a one-on-one phone conversation with this past week. Um so, yeah, I mean, and they look good. The only question mark, I, you know, it's weird. We keep saying the only question mark is the offensive line, but if they keep getting what, rid how, of – How good was the defense? Well, that's the thing. With the offensive line, this is – keep in mind, this is a Josh McDaniel offense. It is all predicated on getting the ball out fast. Right. I'm not so much concerned with the – the, the holes, the so-called holes in the offensive line. I think they'll be able to do just fine in that offense. You're right, though. The defense is what is so impressive. And I just love seeing just the team. I, what I walked away with all preseason long was I really liked how the penalties stayed down. That yeah. just shows good coaching. 13 penalties in four games. And that one is, yesterday. That is, they would have had 13 penalties in one Gooch, game. How about this? Did you know this? 
So he's told us at the beginning of training camp, Josh McGill, he said, I'm not trying to teach them how to win. I'm tra- tra- they have to learn how not to lose in order to learn how to win. Zero turnovers in four preseason games. That was impressive. You know who was impressed? More than 200 former Raiders, including some Hall of Famers. Jim Otto was there. Ted Hendricks, Jim Plunkett, Marcus Allen, Tim Brown. A couple weeks ago, it was Raiderettes alumni. Last night was the Raiders alumni. Let me tell you something. Again, taking the journalism hat off and sitting there and interviewing Marcus Allen and thinking back to, like, 1984, thinking back to the to the famous run going back forth in the Super Bowl against the then Redskins, uh, that was a bit of a wow moment for me as a journalist. I mean, I've, my first byline was in 1987. I've interviewed some of the greatest athletes in the world, from the late, great Kobe Bryant and one of my great stories, LeBron James, to NFL players now. That was a wow moment to sit there among greatness of Raider history. And I asked Marcus Allen about what it means when you say brotherhood and Raiders in the same sentence. We're certainly a band of brothers, that's for sure. And everybody. I'm sure every organization feels that way. But there's something, you know, the mystique with the Raiders, the, uh, you know, the autumn wind, the song itself, you know, and it really tells an incredible story about an organization that, uh, you know, really sort of believes and, and, and teaches that, hey, if you, it's ours. Let's go get it. And we let nothing stand in our way. So, uh, And you have a bunch of guys that, you know, it's almost like as a kid growing up, you know, and, and, and watching the Raiders and stuff, and they were sort of bigger than life. And then to go there and, to you know, to, to experience and play with that, that same sort of style that I watched on TV and stuff and so it's yeah we have some rich rich traditions some great great players and um, you can't even talk about the National Football League without talking about the Raiders that's how the tradition and 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 the fight in that um, in that organization and as I mentioned to him and 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 Mike Haynes and Phil Villapiano just I mean the guy Jim Plunkett um, is that the young guys even the rookies Understanding what it means, brotherhood, raiders, tradition, history. It's almost like you have to understand. And I'm not knocking other organizations, the Broncos, the Browns, or this. But when you join an organization like the Raiders, I think it's almost necessary to understand the history and the tradition and Al Davis onto Mark Davis and what it meant to be coached by John Madden and, and, and Art Shell and as the seasons progressed. And I think that they fully embraced it. I mean, you added a graphic here to talk about Look at Derek Carr. Most wins as an underdog since 2014. That's when Derek Carr came in the league. 31, distancing Matt Ryan in second place with 23. And I want you to look at the other the other guys that are on this list, okay? You have Kirk Cousins, Matt Stafford, T- Ryan Tannehill, and Matt Ryan. Now, Matt Stafford, I'm going to exclude because he falls into the same category as Derek Carr. He's been on horrible teams, and they still managed to pull this off. We saw what happened when Matt Stafford got put on an elite squad. He just went out there and won the Super Bowl in his first year with that team. This is the first squad that we've ever seen Derek Carr with that gets us excited. I don't want to say elite because we've never – we don't know what they – it's not like they're a couple years removed from the Super Bowl like the Rams were last year. Right. So – but this is teetering on that. It was. And last year, I thought, was a team that we could have had that same conversation, but there were so many things that went on between John Gruden and then, um, obviously, with the fatal car crash, RIP T. 
Tina Tintor and then Damon Arnett, and it was just such a mess. And yet he still led that team to a playoff appearance. So imagine what he's going to do with a new regime, a new attitude, a, just a new focus, an offensive system that's, in a sense, won six titles, and his college guy, Devontae Adams in town. It all means something, and this is the year I've been saying it. There's no more excuses. It's time for Derek Carr to put together. I love the running back room. Um, I love what I saw of the defense last night. They're playing with the chip on their shoulder. You know why? Because they haven't really – there's stories about them, but all we've heard all, all training camp is – Carr and Adams, Carr and Adams, offensive line. Carr and Adams, Carr and Adams, Josh Jacobs. Carr and Adams, Carr and Adams, Kenyon Drake. Carr and Adams. Oh, and by the way, the defense. The defense has a chip on its shoulder, and it's going to be interesting to see. All right, listen, when we come back, guess what I get to do? Please tell us. I get to throw the flag right here at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sports Pick and Bar. Just because they go and get Chandler, you know, they get me and – you know, they pay max and do all of these things. Like, all of that stuff look good on paper, but at the end of the day, that's not what actually wins the games at all. We got to love the sounds of EPMD taking it back. You got to chill. Devontae Adams bringing us back also. You got to chill on that talk about just because they bring in the big names, right? It's one thing you can pay all the money you want, but you got to put put it, put it, put the, put the, uh, Put it into action, and that's what he was trying to say there. We've seen this before. I remember one year when the Philadelphia Eagles, this is when Mike Vick was the, the quarterback, they went out and blew all – it was like they went on Madden and they just saw who had a higher rating, and they went and got that free agent. And that imploded so badly. You need the unnamed guys to do their job and step up. You need that. You just need those guys. And you need only a couple of stars in the NFL. I don't think – you have a team packed full of stars. I just don't see it working. All right. Well, you know what? Well, I don't know if this worked or didn't work, but uh, it worked for somebody. It may not have worked for Oakland A Stadium security, but this went viral. Um, so a, uh, a couple, if you look at the video, it's somewhat far away, but allegedly might have been getting a little intimate in the upper bleachers way at the top. I talked about playing truth or dare at the old Silver Bowl kissing games. This is a little deeper than that. Yes. This way, first off, if you look at the picture, there is the couple there in one chair, and there is no one around them. No one around them. That just gives you an example of why the athletics just need to get the hell out of Oakland. Uh, when your record is 46 and 81, you would probably risk doing something highly illegal that could get a ticket slapped on This guy, whoever did this, they could be – labeled uh sexual offenders couldn't they uh i don't know if it's sexual offenders it might be like something i don't i don't know what it'd be called but you know just public display not you know something you're not supposed to do in public right yeah but i mean if if that's what they were doing it certainly looked like it it kind of reminded me i brought up the movie the intern earlier when uh, uh i can't even think of the actor's name but he's a fantastic young actor um Anyway, he walks in. Rene Russo and Robert De Niro are in her scene, and she is like a massage therapist in this highly um, – have you seen the movie? No. Okay, so it's, it's a fantastic movie. Anne Hathaway, she takes over this old warehouse, turns it into a sales room where they, they do online sales for clothes um, so they can do online shopping with ease. And, and Robert De Niro, they, they do a senior intern program. Robert De Niro is – 
is like the senior intern to, to the boss, to the CEO. She's reluctant for it, but he grows on her in this fatherly figure who's wise. But the, uh, Because she, her mindset with everybody that's her age is she's above them mentally because of what she's created. She just needs everyone to keep up with her. Now she's met her match with someone who's even smarter than her. So she, she anyway, he does something to, to, to open her eyes to his abilities. So she sends Renee Russo over to do a, a massage because she's there for massage therapy throughout. To, if you're tense, if you're having a bad day, go see Renee, you know, go see the character. So anyway, Fiona is her name. The young actor and i can't think of his name is still escaping me he walks in but she's she's digging into his calves and his shin the shin splints and everything and she's moving in a motion where he's laying back she's hunched over and she's moving back and forth rubbing the calves so you can imagine what that looks like and he goes oh my god oh my god i'm sorry and he runs out of the off out of the massage room right based on what it looks like well if you get what i'm saying and can picture that visual that is what was taking right. place in the upper bleach i i like you know what i willie's not gonna just throw blame on anyone he's like let's just sit back Let's look at all the scenarios. Maybe they just dropped their phone between their feet for an extended period of time, and they couldn't figure it out. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> all right. I don't know who I'm throwing the flag at on this one. Because, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if I want to throw the flag. I'm going to throw the flag at the athletics for not winning enough and keeping their fans involved. I like that one. All right. Little League World Series going on. Hot Mike catches a Little Leaguer blaming the ESPN uh, network for a bad umpire call. Terrible call. Coach brings them all to the mound to settle them down. And you can hear, because they're mic'd up, one of the kids going, it's, no, 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 that's, how, that's what ESPN wants. They want this. So it's like he's, he's saying oh they want this drama. Like, you know, like, like you diehard fantasy guys or you Browns fans be like, yeah, well, no, the NFL wants to protect Tom Brady. So, of course, they're going yes. to force oh. him. They're going to force the oh. Patriots to, to get to the conference championship and screw my Browns. That's what this kid was mic'd up saying on the air. Now there's conspiracy theorist kids. I'm throwing the flag on the parents. I'm throwing the flag at the parents for filling this kid's. They, they, he, this kid probably heard his dad make the same exact complaints, baseless accusations. But I know what I know what I feel. I know what I feel. And ESPN is just doing this for it. Yes, they want to strike out a 12-year-old for ratings. Seriously, it's definitely. I'm with you. I'm definitely with you on the parents. Um, I believe we had to throw the flag segment in one of the last few. Uh, show the, one of the first three shows where we threw the flag at some parents. Once again, they wouldn't know to do that if it wasn't because these are the type of kids that all they know is heartbreak. At, these are 12-year-olds. you, you got to be 12 by a certain age, and you can't be 13. So these are 12-year-olds that get to go to Williamsport. These are the type of kids that at 10, 11, they get to All-Stars, and that's how a Little League works, right? You play in your local Little League, you get to the All-Stars, then you play the other Little Leagues in your region, and then you, and you play the all-star tournament. Then you get to the next step. Then you get to the, you win state. Then you go to the regionals. Like in Vegas, you go to San Bernardino. Then you get to Williamsport. These are kids at 10, 11, 12. What do you think they hear on the drive home? Yeah, that's it. Just Parents either berating them, berating the umps, blaming this, blaming that. Coach didn't use you enough. The ump made a bad call. That's all they hear. Yeah. That's all they hear. And so I, remember that soon-to-be father. Yeah, when I have a son, I'm just going to – I don't know how – I, I want to push him to do better – but at the same time, I don't want to push him to hate what he's doing. And I also don't want to push him into thinking that he's a victim. Well, you have to. And that's what this kid is doing right here. Oh, uh, you know, the ESPN. No, dude, 
something happened. The ump either made a bad call, which happens all the time, and you just have to understand that that's going to be a part of the game. But blaming the network, like the ESPN network. Yeah. is going to fork over money. The, it's, how much money does ESPN have riding on Rhode Island? You know what I mean? The, the Rhode Island 12-year-olds. Well, here's the thing about ESPN, though. Imagine all the blog sites and other that are going to pick that up and run with it. This is giving them more, of course, more more publicity. That kid anyway, just helped right? him out. See, there you go, kid. The more you complain, you just helped out who you were complaining about. Remember that, kids. All right. So, you know who Stephen A. Smith is? I've heard the name. All right. So he teased the audience the other day about a potential candidacy that he may be running for president. In 2024. Doug, do we have that? Let's hear this. When 350 plus American citizens are relying on you to institute and implement policy that would affect their lives, I would told you once upon a time, hell no. But when I see some of the things that has transpired, I can honestly tell you, even though that answer would still be no, if people came to me and enough people came to me and said to me, Stephen A., you have a legitimate shot to win the presidency of the United States of America, I would strongly, strongly consider running because I know this much. I know two things would happen. I would know how to act, number one. And number two, I would think about America. Of course, I'm a black man, so I would think about the black community. But I have always prided myself in stating I'm not just about black appeal. I'm about mass appeal. And Everybody in America would matter. And whatever it took to make this country better is what I would do from the bottom of my heart. Okay. Um, I would love to see I, President first of all, first Stephen of all, Can I just say that I would have loved to heard that sound with, like, the national anthem or God Bless America playing <laughs> behind it? Yeah. And I'm proud to be an American. American. Yeah. Now, Lil Lee Greenwood and Stephen A. Smith. Now, first off... We already had a reality television show person become president. So Stephen A. Smith, who's been on the radio forever, he's been in New York. He's a, he's, he's a national, widely recognized person. I don't think that he's crazy for saying this. Now, what I would love to see is him at a United Nations meeting, just yelling at other countries the way he does at his co-host, you know, just like yelling at Sri Lanka, like I can't believe yeah. you would allow that. You know, well, and with his with his vocabulary, right? Oh yeah, exactly. What's pontificate? Look that up. You yeah, know, yeah, I don't yeah. know what that is. The ludicrous, yeah, in how you will pontificate on the abnormality of this democracy. Yeah. Um, Meanwhile, the translator's like, "What the hell? I got to look that up. Yeah, I don't even yeah, know that word." It, yeah. I can't think of the word, but you see the movie American President. You see, I like to refer to a lot of uh, yes. Um, the the movie um, American President, where uh, Michael Douglas plays the president with the net banning, and they're coming out after the the uh, the speech. And uh, Michael J. Fox, he goes, oh, he goes, you got thirty minutes, kid, to change. He goes, oh man, I thought I I thought I had uh, I didn't think I'd have enough time. He said, I got the whole press corps. Asking or looking up the word, whatever it was that the word was. That's how it would be. Yeah. Right? But here's the thing. I'm not throwing a flag. I might vote for Stephen A. Smith. Okay. I, I, okay, it depends. Because, again, once I see somebody that's on TV like this and they demand attention, I just see the same problems. He's going to be on Twitter all the time. 
And then what happens if he starts tweeting out sports picks? Are, are they? Is it going to affect the, the the sports books? Like when you have a when you have somebody with that much strength and that much knowledge of sports, it's almost like whatever he says, the sports books are going to go crazy. They're going to go crazy when the president of the United States would would have something like that. Would, do you think he would do a pick em? Um, I think that he would. He would. He would. Uh, I don't know. I, he might be a small underdog, but he would generate the action because of his popularity and his energy. And here's the thing. I don't know if you've seen. So, like in the past, he's been invited on different like uh, networks outside of sports, whether it was like CNN or Fox, or whatever. But he, they'd have him on, and he can speak politically. Yeah. He's a well versed. He's a very smart man. Here's the thing. The character that's been built on on first take, right? Um, that character, when you say someone who demands attention, I'm not convinced he demands attention as much as they demanded him, and now it's what the producers, and then he now he's drawing them in. But he's a very smart reporter, you know, and what he did in Philadelphia. So it would be interesting to see what he would do in learning the political system as he goes. Let's put it this way. We've already had one guy that had no political experience and no business, in a sense, being in office, per se. What's so the, different run, with run, this? Run the country for four years, right? And he learned as he went. What's so different with this with someone who I think, yes, he's a black man. Yes, he would probably be on the pro-democratic side. But I also believe that he would be intelligent enough to see some of the things on one, the left and the right. Stephen A. has been attacked by everybody. Everybody. So no matter what side that he aligns with, there's going to be people out there that hate him. No matter what he says. I've seen him get blasted by every person from every race, creed, or color because he's a guy that opens his mouth and has an opinion. All right. Well, okay. No, what I was going to say is, you know who's never been blasted? And she will never be blasted. Hmm. Someone who, believe, who, who, who I believe believes nothing, gets nothing but celebrated it's a local hero and i can't wait to have her on sam thomas from the phoenix mercury she's coming up next on throw the flag with gooch and willie we're at the treasure island golden circle sportsbook and bar i know there hasn't been a lot of draft picks but obviously me and ray who are also who's also in the draft uh hopefully we can represent vegas well so very excited and just showing young vegas girls that you can do it no matter what no matter what high school you go to, what college you go to, like as long as you chase your dreams, you can do it. Just have no limit to your dream and be comfortable being in uncomfortable situations. I think that's what really helped me. Whether it's, you know, going to college camps or talking to college coaches, talking to AAU coaches, just make sure you know what you want and don't let others persuade you or make you go a certain way. Really know what you want and chase after those dreams. That is Sam Thomas. Sounds of Sam Thomas. And earlier in that, she was talking about Ray Burrell, two locals who played in WNBA. Ray was on the injured list for most of it. Sam played with the Phoenix Mercury. And, of course, the old school sounds of LTD. I threw some old school music for her father, Derek Thomas. I had to put that old school. I asked her, I said, hey, what song do you like? And she was like, well, I listened to this. I said, I'm going to put some old school funk for your dad because I know it would be tuning in. So my guy, DT, wanted to put that on there. But joining us right now, Gooch and Willie on Throw the Flag at the Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbooking Bar, who I like to say local hero. Gooch, when I say I said it twice this uh, show, I'll say it a third time, take the journalism hat off. I am a fan of, because of the person she is, not the athlete, Sam Thomas joining the show, former Centennial High School State Champion, former Arizona University star, and current member of the Phoenix Mercury, getting ready to go to Italy. Sam, welcome to the show. 
Hello, thanks for having me. How are you? you? So it's it's been a whirlwind, but you are back home for a little bit before you go to Italy, right? You are in Las Vegas? Yep, I'm in Las Vegas, made the drive up from Phoenix, and been here for a few days now. That's great. That's great. So you just finished up your first season as a pro, and it's an interesting story, one I was so happy to write about on my site, WGRamirez.com, because you had such a brilliant career at in Tucson after starring here for Karen White's and Centennial um, and then playing for Adia Barnes in that you're in a city, you're playing in a, well, nearby a city where the person regarded as the GOAT goes and watches some <laughs> Pac-12 games, I'm sure, and she saw you, and I'll let you take it from there, the relationship that was built between you and Diana Taurasi. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, she came to one of my games freshman year. Uh, she used to be roommates with my old assistant coach, Morgan Valley, and then, of course, she just knew Adia just through professionals and knowing Morgan. So, yeah, her and Penny actually came to our game. Uh, I was freaking out. I was like, oh, my gosh, there's no way she's at our game, and we were not very good at the time either. So it was just awesome to see her there, and I just think over time she, she's obviously not too far from Tucson, so I think she was just checking in a little bit, you know, seeing how we're doing, obviously watched the national championship. So, you know, when it was time to pick draft picks and see who to invite to training camp, uh, she put in a great word for me, telling the coaches what just what a great person I am. And, you know, they listened to her and brought me in for training camp and the rest is history. Yeah, and, and, and Sam's being – she, she's telling the whole thing, but she's being a little minorly modest there. Because uh, Diana told me personally after Phoenix's first visit here to Las Vegas, he's here with a Mercury visit the Aces, she said, when I saw her as a freshman, I was like, this kid is a baller. And when she went undrafted – she told them, give her a look, get her in here. So Diana Taurasi was the one that was like, she was the scout and everything for you. Yes, she was the scout. She was, she was everything for me. So very happy to, to have her on my side. So uh, I've also grew up here in Las Vegas, and I wanted to know, when you were practicing, because obviously, you know, every gym isn't going to be covered. I'm talking about practice. I'm talking about practice. But, you know, if you got to reach it to the, to the highest levels, it's, it's a nonstop thing. It's a year-long thing, sports and basketball, especially when you were young and in high school. How long would you stay in the parks practicing basketball during the summer in 120-degree in heat? Yeah, definitely hard to practice during then, but – Luckily, it was nice because, you know, had all my siblings with me and my dad, so it was easy access. Practicing on, you know, the double rims with the chain nets. Uh, probably would go like an hour, hour and a half. Um, we really just wanted to do quality over quantity. Just wanted to make sure we were working on the things that we needed to work on. So just being able to do that, we got it done in like hour, hour and a half, and then sometimes you know, we would scrimmage and show the boys up at the park a little bit. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. The three, the Thomas sisters were undoubtedly, but they, they probably, they could go down, and I've covered basketball for a long time. I've covered high school sports for a long time. I grew up in this town. I went to junior high when it was still called junior high in the 70s. I've seen a lot of great basketball players, basketball siblings. They could go down as the greatest women siblings in prep history and you were saying something about how you and your sisters would scrimmage against the boys on the park like how many times did you have did you break the spirit of these guys on the park the, at the park <laughs> that's what i want to know so many times and i think that's my favorite part you know <laughs> us girls my little brother and you know my 
my old dad over there hanging on with us and all the guys, you know, of course, they thought they had us. And, no, we would just come down, sometimes shoot it from half court, and just go right in, and they would just look at us like, who are these people? <laughs> so, Sam, i got to ask you, obviously, uh, I mean, an obvious question that I'm sure as a rookie – you, you've dealt with, but the thing is, you've always sort of been thrust in the spotlight in Arizona. You've, you've sort of been a spokesperson, not just for the team, um, for the Wildcats, for, for the university itself. So, I mean, you've, you're sort of battle-tested in this, but for a rookie coming in to a situation with a team with one of the greatest players who will go down in history in a situation that she's now in in Russia, you know, um, how, what was that like for you? Like, we talked to Diana. I've asked Sue during uh, um, Zoom sessions, Sue Bird. I've talked, you know, the Aces uh, were sisters, were this, were that. But for you as a rookie coming in and then having to sort of deal with that, what was that like with the Brittany Griner situation? Yeah, obviously it was heavy on the entire team's heart and my heart the entire season. It was great to see the whole world come and support her behind and, you know, calling the Biden to bring her home. Um, it was obviously different because I don't have that personal relationship with how everybody right. else on the team had, but it was nice because everyone just kept telling me stories about her and how much I liked her. Some people said, like, I would be like her little sister if she was here. So yeah. just hearing all those stories and knowing what, the kind of person she was, I kind of, in a way, feel like I knew her, and it just made it that much more tougher to go along through, throughout the season knowing that we don't have her here. Now, when you hear of how extreme these rules are, and this is Russia we're talking about. Obviously, this is a, a different level. But does this ever scare you when you do go overseas, when you hear a story like that, uh, not really not re- understanding the rules or just not understanding how the country is going to react? And then, obviously, this is a total political move going after somebody famous like, like Brittany Griner. But does this affect you and your overseas plans when you play in other countries? Um, it definitely makes it a little more, more nerve-wracking just knowing that, you know, not everybody has the same justice system that we do here in America. And I guess people were telling me there's certain rules, like, in Israel, like, they're all about family. So there's something like all the shops close at 5 p.m. You're not allowed to, like, drive your car. And then some places it's like if your car ends in an even number, you can drive on the streets this day. I think that's in Greece or something like that. So there's just so many rules. So I'm just trying to learn all the rules in Italy, just, you know, the basic ones. And, of course, my teammates and coaches will help me. And this is going to be a bit different for you now, Sam, because, you know, as I mentioned, you, you, you know, you start here. And then a lot of, a lot of big-time athletes, whether it's male or female basketball, club softball, whatever it may be, sometimes they go to California to play with club teams because they're better. Not Centennial girls. You play with the Ball Dogs, right? You have to play for Karen's uh, club team. Then you go to Arizona. It's one state over. Then Phoenix picks you up. It's right there. So mom and dad can come. Sis can come. They come here. They, you guys played here. You ladies played here a few times. This is going to be different. Are you ready for that personally? Because, you know, you and Proxy, and I hope Proxy's going with you, but uh, – <laughs> Is, I mean, have you thought about that, just, you know, your mental health and being so far away because you've never really been far from family? Yeah, definitely. It's something um, I think about, obviously, and I think that's one of the hardest things about going overseas for everybody is just that lack of communication with your family and, you know, having people around you. So, luckily, uh, my mom is coming with me oh, to start it off, just, yeah, just to help me get there. And then my dad's hoping to come 
a little bit after Christmas when he gets his break. So having them come a little bit at a time is great. I have had some um, Tucson fans who got really close to me said they would also come out to Italy uh, to visit me and just help me. So obviously it's not going to be the same, but I feel like I'll be okay if I have, you know, one person every couple of months. And then, of course, just figuring out the time change so I can know when I'll be able to talk to my family. Okay, now listen. If mom and dad need someone to go over there, I don't mind. I'm going to need help with the flight I, because <laughs> I, there are some restaurants and some food that I definitely – it's definitely on a bucket list before I hit the big basketball court in the sky. I want to go to Italy and eat some food there. But I want to circle back to this season. Um, and let's talk about the in-season. Um, tumultuous beyond so, – so you enter with, with, with this Brittany Griner – um, wrongfully detainment weighing over everybody's head. Then Diana goes out late in the season. Then Skylar Diggins-Smith leaves for personal reasons. And then in the opening round in your hometown, Shea Petty gets injured. That, I mean, if, if they're, I mean, first of all, Coach Nygaard, I mean, she should have gotten votes for Coach of the Year just for getting y'all ladies in the playoffs. Becky deserved the win. But for what she did and the, with, the, with the hands that she was dealt, as a rookie, again, let me ask you, that was a rough season. Yeah, that was definitely something I've never been a part of, and everybody on the team was telling me they've never been a part of. They said, this is not normal. This is the most adversity they think any professional sports team has seen. And I think just seeing Shea go down, I think that just really was heavy on our hearts because, you know, we were right there by the bench and we saw her face. So I think that was just that was the dagger in the season. Like, wow, like we really have been through it all. So obviously blessed that we got to the playoffs and did how we did this season. So just super proud of all of us for sticking together the best way that we could. And, you know, just making it to the playoffs, which I think was the main goal that would make this whole season worth it. Yeah. You talk about daggers and then, and then uh, coach Nygar, she gets off the dais after the elimination game. And she goes, exhaled as she's walking toward us. And she goes, whew. Now, where do I get a beer? And she came and gave me a dap and a hug. Right. <laughs> and when you go through that much loss on a team and when the team experiences that, what, what emotion do you personally have to turn to to get through that? Is it anger? Is it Like, what is it? Because you can't sit back and feel like a victim. You have to fight. You have to get in there. Yeah, I think you just have that fighter mentality and you want to play for your teammates, you know, play for – you know, some of our best players were the ones that went down, and, you know, they're obviously competitors and they're eager to get in there, and it's so hard to just sit there and watch your team play without you. So I think just having that mentality like, okay, we're going to have to play for them because we know how hard it is for them going through injury and having to sit out. So we want to, you know, carry on and just do how they probably would have done to help us get the win. Well, and I'm going to, I'm just going to go out on a limb here that, you know, that fighter mentality you speak about it, there's no doubt that it starts with dad, it goes on, and, and, and mom and dad, but it, then it goes on to the coaching and teaching that you got from Karen White, and then Adia, and to take that into the pros, because I even asked, I think your first visit when I was working on my story for my site, I asked, and, she, and, and Coach Nygaard said specifically, she was like, you know, when you come from a program, I know Karen, this was her words, I know Karen White's. And when you come from a program like that and you're well-coached going into college, it certainly helps. So, um, you know, you've had obviously obviously some blessed people in your life along the way from being a little girl, youth player, high school player, college player, 
and into the pros. Oh, yeah, definitely. I think Karen just, she instills that fighter mentality where she makes you not scared for anything. <laughs> Some of the crazy things that you think you would be scared of going into college, Karen Weiss has already done it to you. So you know, once you get to college, you're like, this is easy. Like, I've already done this conditioning. I've already been yelled at. So just then going to Adia, who I think was more so like a coaching figure in the sense of like growing you as a person off the court as well. So it was nice to have a little switch of, you know, having this dog mentality to now, so what can I do with my career outside of basketball? Because, you know, obviously when you're in college, you already have the basketball skills. Then carrying all that over to Phoenix and just being able to put it at a professional level, I think it really helped me, obviously, already having all those qualities. Well, Sam, I appreciate you coming on. I appreciate you using, by the way, the dog mentality uh, tag because, as you know, uh, Jordan and I have our perfect gym, and we have dog mentality uh, sweatshirts, and so we use that moniker often. And uh, and Sam, by the way, she do you still have your gear? You I still, do. <laughs> give, give it, tell us what you got going on before we let you go real quick, where they can find, because Sam's got some. And let me tell you, I'm not just saying this. The hoodie, the quality of her hoodies are spectacular. <laughs> I wore it into, like, May and June because I love the feel of it. Where can they find your hoodie, Sam? SamThomas14.com, and we're hoping to release some more stuff. That gives it a little more Phoenix Mercury vibes as well. Well, I'll be the first one to purchase it. You already knew that. Sam, I got nothing but love for you. Say hi to Pop. Say hi to the family. Say hi to the sisters. I appreciate you coming on. We'll definitely talk before you get to Italy. Sam Thomas from the Phoenix Mercury, thanks for joining us on Throw the Flag, Sam. Thanks for having me. All right, when we come back, we're going to close it out. Gooch and Willie from Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Back to Treasure Island. And uh, they'd fight the MGM Garden, which is right there in Vegas in the Strip, and I'd be out of there. And uh, it was always great, man. But it is true exactly what people say. Like, it's fun for the glitz and glamour, the excitement. I couldn't imagine living there. Right? It's, what, it's the opposite of the city of Ottawa. Because Vegas is great to visit, but I wouldn't want to live there. There you go. Throw the flag back again. Golden Circle Sportsbook right here at the Treasure Island. We're getting ready to, get ready to wrap things up. And I wanted to talk to Willie because we're two weeks away from the kickoff to the NFL regular season. Preseason wraps up this weekend. I'm excited, and I'd like to talk about just second-year breakout players. This, I mean, this could be a fantasy segment. This could just be who we think is going to explode next season. But I wanted to start things off with the easy way out. Last year's number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, struggled under the Urban Meyer regime. I don't know any player that looked good under uh, when he was coaching the Jaguars. I mean, what a complete joke. And there's nowhere for Trevor Lawrence to go but up. Well, I, I agree because, I mean, from a journalist standpoint and what, you know, um, and with a new regime and a new somewhat attitude, right, um, he, with Urban Meyer and, and a lot of the off-the-field sort of distractions he caused, not flying with the team and the the, the, the bar incident, you know, it's just, I don't know. I just think it was different. I don't think that he was, he wasn't, uh, he came in with the, his college control freak mindset and it didn't work for Trevor. You know, he came from college and, and Dabo Sweeney, Sweeney and looking for a pro mindset and he, here he had this control freak, right? So I think, I think you're right. I think he has to go up. Um, 
I, I don't. I'm not a fantasy guy. Now I've done them in the in the past for fun. Like someone say, hey, no, just jump in so we can have the so we can fill in the tent. Jump on Yahoo, and then I got yelled at by the commissioner because I had the wrong guy. And he was inactive, or he 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 got injured the day before practice, and I didn't like. Dude, I'm not following it that quick. That you know, it's not for money, and and. I was doing y'all a favor, so take over the team and get off my jock because I don't. The, here's the here's the one person that I will say could be could potentially be a um, a breakout guy to have on your roster. Now, uh, let me ask you this: on fantasy rosters, do you have reserves like just in case? Reserve? Yes. Okay. So I uh, here's who you, you want to who I'm going to throw out there just because obviously I'm out there every single day. Give it to me, Zamir bro. White. Okay, you've been saying this since we started doing this show. Yeah. You were a huge fan of Zamir White running back for the Raiders. I am. Yeah. So I and I think that he I think he's going to see some time. And I think because it's going to be a running back by committee, I think Josh Jacobs, you know, um, they knew what they were doing all along. So obviously, um, when when Josh McDaniels played him in the first game of the Hall of Fame game, and then he's rested him since. Um, I think that that running back by committee room, Josh will probably be the one. But I think that Zamir White has shown. I talked to him last night in in the locker room. They got a rookie locker room off to the side. What a good kid! He runs hard. He runs hard. He, you know, without hard. all the pads off, I'm sitting there next to him. I mean, he's got a couple inches on me, uh, you know, vertically. But it's, it's like he's not a big dude. Like he's just he's just stout, and his mind with what this kid went through. So I just think that he's going to be really out with the chip on his shoulder to because he's always had to prove people wrong. Mm-hmm. I was also going to go with another first round pick from last year. I was going to go with Trey Lance. I mean, I could have picked Zach Wilson, could have picked Justin Fields, but. I just think Zach Wilson is just in way over his head. Him. Yeah, I know, right? Jesus. He's got the injury, but it was like, but I just think he's way in over his head. Justin Fields holds onto the ball way too long. Same problems he had in Ohio State. I was telling my buddy who was a Bears fan, I was like, he's going to hold the ball a lot. There's going to be a lot of fumbles. He's going to make a lot of mistakes. But I look at Trey Lance, who is relatively unknown. I just look at the offense that he's going to be in, a lot of play action. He's going to be throwing, the, he can throw the ball downfield beautifully. He's got a great deep ball. I just think that being in the Shanahan offense and having that zone run game that he can rely on, the bootleg, I think he's going to explode in it. Well, it's a good thing that I'm not on the fantasy football roster that you got to pick up because I fumbled the ball here in that rejoin. I made a great rejoin for this segment last week. We pushed it to this week with the commercial that's out where you got the, the husband and wife in couples therapy, and he's going, I, I made one mistake. I don't understand it. If he, and she goes, if he would just listen and update the roster. And then I had it coming in with Tupac, keep your head up a little instrumental. Right. But I made the mistake in, in sending the wrong cue uh, slug name to our guy, Doug. So we're going to send it out, though, because we are up against it. Gooch, Willie, Mateo, Stacy, Doug in the booth, Treasure Islands, Golden Circle, Sportsbook and Bar. We'll see you next week.